Take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Alright, good day Tokers and Tokets and non-token lovers of liberty It is Monday, March 28, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us. we got another great week of programming for you here on CannabisRadio.com, and I'm very pleased to be coming to you live from Boulder City, Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas near the Grand Hoover Dam out here, the uh, incredible engineering marvel, and uh, looking out over... Outside the windows over Lake Mead out there, and it's a blustery day here in Nevada, and we've got plenty of cannabis news to bring to you today. And in a special event here for the show, we've got not one but two guests joining us on today's show. First, at half past, we'll be visiting with Dr. Mitch Earlywine in our cannabis Q&A like we do every Monday, although we've missed Dr. Mitch the past couple of Mondays. I've been traveling and had tech difficulties, but Dr. Mitch is back today, so get your dialing fingers ready. The phone line is 971. 971- 1-533-7111. I'll also be paying attention to the chat room here on CannabisRadio.com. So if you've got any questions about cannabis science, culture, history, or health, Dr. Mitch is the guy to ask. And we've got all sorts of interesting studies to talk about today. In the research, there is some indication that marijuana legalization has not not ameliorated the racial disparity in marijuana arrests. We'll talk about that. We've got that study about marijuana use and economic and social problems to talk about. We've got a look at CBD as a fast-acting antidepressant. We've got that study on pot use among young people and social exclusion. We've got a look at marijuana use reducing opiate use and being able to heal the brain damage from alcohol abuse through the use of cannabis. All those topics coming up today in our Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. After that interview, we've got another interview. We're going to be doing another activist agenda segment. And joining us again is Morris Beagle from the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. Uh, we talked to him a couple of weeks ago in our hemp uh, headlines or our, our uh, hemp update, I should say. So he'll be joining us again to remind us about this Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. It's taking place this weekend. We'll get all the details uh, from Morris at the end of the show. Also coming up on the show today, we've got time for some drug war data mining, and we've got a look at the latest stats on medical marijuana in the state of Michigan, where the legislature in Michigan is trying their darndest to take away the rights of medical marijuana patients and make it just much more difficult for them. Fortunately, we've got three different efforts in Michigan that are fighting to legalize marijuana, and perhaps we can put those problems behind us. The statistics coming out of Michigan show medical marijuana to be extremely effective and popular. We'll bring them to you right after our Behind the Headlines segment. And today in Behind the Headlines, we're going to debunk some reefer madness. The drug czar was out recently. Drug czar Botticelli was out speaking to the public and once again brings up that long debunked reefer madness gateway theory of that marijuana use is going to lead you straight to heroin. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to debunk that for you here in our reefer madness debunked segment that comes right after the cannabis radio news. And in the headlines today, 
We've got the latest poll on marijuana legalization, both nationwide and out of the state of Michigan. Kind of a Michigan-centric show today. We're also going to take a look at Kansas, where Shona Banda, the medical marijuana patient, has filed a federal lawsuit. We'll tell you why. Also in Massachusetts, some predictions on how much money could be made in legal marijuana in the Bay State. In Vermont, the governor there is calling Massachusetts' initiative a bad pot bill. And we've got to look at an activist in Colorado Springs giving free medical marijuana to our veterans. All that coming up today on the Russ Belville Show. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hurry, its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> what the hell are we paying you for? Are you stupid? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, March 28, 2016. A new record majority of Americans support the legalization of marijuana. The latest poll from the Associated Press and Nork Center for Public Affairs Research found that 61% of those of the over 1,000 adults surveyed agreed that use of marijuana should be legalized for adults. One-third of those who support legal marijuana say there should be no restrictions on adult use, and about one-quarter say marijuana should only be available to adults with a doctor's prescription. 
The remainder, a plurality of 43%, believe that marijuana should be legal to all, but with limitations on purchase amounts. 62% believe that some form of substance abuse is a problem in their communities. Of those respondents, just over a quarter found marijuana use to be a, quote, extremely serious problem, compared to about a third for prescription pain relievers or heroin, and over 36% for alcohol and other drugs. Another poll is out today showing 53% of Michigan residents would support the taxation and regulation of marijuana. The Epic MRA poll found that 45% would reject such a measure, with 2% undecided. That marks a three-point increase in support from when 50% of respondents answered a similar 2014 poll. Kansas's Shona Banda has filed a federal lawsuit over local law enforcement actions regarding her medical use of cannabis to treat her Crohn's disease. Banda's 11-year-old son spoke up to correct a school official who was instructing his class about illegal drugs. When the school official referred to it as marijuana, Banda's son explained that it was properly called cannabis and it was a medicine that helped his mother survive. Banda's lawsuit alleges that police and school officials improperly interrogated her son without her permission or presence. Banda also alleges that her civil rights were violated by the state of Kansas, preventing her from using the medical cannabis that keeps her alive. Banda is acting as her own attorney and seeks unspecified damages from the state of Kansas. Officials from Garden City, Kansas and the state of Kansas have refused to comment on the pending litigation. The marijuana market in Massachusetts could top $1.1 billion annually by 2020, according to the latest predictions. Arcview Group and New Frontier, two leading cannabis market research firms, believe that the legalization of marijuana in the Bay State could create a thriving tourist destination for cannabis aficionados in the Northeast. The firms predict $300 million in sales the first year, 2018. That would triple to nearly $900 million in 2019. These predictions only consider the direct sales of marijuana and not the ancillary businesses sure to spring up to service the new billion-dollar market. Meanwhile, medical marijuana is expected to generate over $78 million in sales this year and should expand to over $240 million in medical-only sales by 2020. The governor of Vermont is warning that Massachusetts' pending marijuana legalization initiative is a bad pot bill. Governor Pete Shumlin writes in a blog post that, quote, now is the time to take a smarter approach on marijuana, end quote, noting that Massachusetts' 2016 initiative, quote, would allow edibles that have caused huge problems in other states, smoking lounges, home delivery service, and possession of up to 10 ounces of marijuana, end quote. Shumlin prefers the proposal in Vermont's legislature that, quote, allows none of that, end quote. Vermont's proposal would also not allow residents to grow their own marijuana at home, limiting adults to one-ounce marijuana purchases at state-licensed stores. Shumlin writes, quote, If Massachusetts moves forward with their legalization bill while Vermont delays, the entire southern part of the state could end up with all the negatives of a bad pot bill and none of the positives of doing the right thing, end quote. Steve DeFino is the founder of the Veterans Farmers Alliance and is handing, handing out ounces of free marijuana to veterans this weekend in Colorado Springs, saying, quote, I've talked to guys that are ready to kill themselves. They're ready to take their own life because they feel nobody is there for them. So this is a small way to say thank you for what you've done, end quote. DeFino says the effort costs him around $1,400 and will take place this Saturday at the Dab Lounge in Colorado Springs. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, March 28, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. 
growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in cannabisradio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome! Marijuana is an addictive drug which produces in its users insanity, criminality, and death. Marijuana is the most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind. If the hideous monster Frankenstein came face-to-face with the monster of marijuana, he dropped it from fright. You know, it's not easy countering seven decades of propaganda in a two-hour show, but let's try. It's time time for the the Russ Belleville Show's Show's Reefer Madness Madness Debunked. Welcome back, everyone. 15 after the hour. And today for Reefer Madness Debunked, we're taking a look at Michael Botticelli. He is the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, a.k.a. the drug czar. And recently he was speaking at a panel uh, on Capitol Hill uh, before a House panel, as a matter of fact. And the panel was with regard to the heroin and opioid crisis, uh, the epidemic that this country is dealing with. But Botticelli decided he, he just could not resist. He had to jump into the middle of the heroin crisis and try to throw some marijuana in there, try to scare everybody about marijuana. And uh, Gatehouse Media reported on this, and uh, Botticelli told the congressional panel, quote, 
I think the evidence is pretty clear that the early use of alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana, often used together, significantly increases the probability that someone will develop a more significant addictive disorder later in their life. Early substance use actually affects brain development and predisposes people for more significant vulnerabilities later in their life, end quote. All right, let's start tearing this apart. First of all, this idea that there's a gateway theory, that if you take marijuana, the next thing you know, you end up addicted to heroin, is complete bunk. It was debunked in 1999 by the Institutes of Medicine. Our own federal government's National Institutes of Medicine said that there is no causal relationship between the use of marijuana and the use of other drugs. The only gateway between marijuana and other drugs is the gateway that takes you into the illegal drug market. By putting marijuana on the same shelf as heroin and cocaine, that's the gateway. To get to the marijuana, you got to go to the same illegal market where the cocaine and the, mar- and the heroin are being sold. The Netherlands, the Dutch, they figured this out 30 years ago. Take the marijuana out of the hard drug market, put it in a coffee shop, and what do you know? Their heroin use declined. Same thing happens in Portugal. Portugal decriminalizes the use of all drugs. They find their use of hard drugs declined. And this addiction theory that it's some sort of disease that affects your brain development has also been debunked. This is the idea that once you start marijuana, you've primed your brain to enjoy pleasure. Folks, you don't have to prime your brain to enjoy pleasure. Your brain's already programmed that way. Your brain likes pleasure. And that's why people get addicted to things that aren't physically addictive. They get addicted to gambling. They get addicted to sex. They get addicted to porn. They can get addicted to hoarding. Things that have nothing to do with a chemical reaction in the brain to a, to a particular substance and everything to do with the fact that the brain is primed to enjoy pleasure and gets pleasure from some dysfunctional things sometimes. So this is a ridiculous point that the drug czar tries to make, once again, trying to scare people about marijuana by bringing it and tying it to a much scarier drug. The drug czar also made a mention about how the uh, drug people, uh, the uh, marijuana Uh, businesses are trying to target our youth with things like funny cartoon characters. This is another thing I find amazing that these people can say it with a straight face. You're worried about marijuana trying to entice people with funny cartoon characters. Have you seen an ad for Abilify lately? Have you seen any of the pharmaceutical ads lately? Count how many of them are cartoons for things like antidepressants and sleep aids like Ambien with a little fluttering butterfly cartoon. But for some reason, those cartoons aren't targeting the kids, just cartoons when it comes to marijuana. And and by the way, nobody in the legal states now are using cartoons for their marijuana advertisements. All the states that have passed marijuana legalization have banned the use of anything that would be attractive to children as a method to advertise cannabis. So the gateway theory, the cartoon character idea, he's trying it all. And he keeps trying to say that this gateway theory is a reason why we need to keep marijuana illegal. He also says that there's confusing messages about medical marijuana. And they, of course, put medical in the scare quotes as if that little girl who had 100 seizures a day that you saw with your own damn eyes stop seizing when she used medical cannabis. That's just scare quotes. That's just medical. 
We're talking over 2 million patients in the United States now since 1996 that have gained some sort of benefit from their medical use of cannabis. We're talking about a federal government that itself has over six or seven patents out there for the medical use of cannabinoids and studies over 29,000 on the federal government's PubMed website that show medical use of cannabis. Absolutely is gnarly, Mr. Spicoli. Look it up yourself. Go to PubMed.gov, and in the search box, type in C-A-N-N-A-B-I asterisk, like cannabis, but take the S off and put an asterisk there. You'll find over 29,000 studies on the medical use of marijuana. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Drug War Data Mining right after this. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with cannabisradio.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the new era. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God. It's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening. In the industry today, the state of cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back. It's 23 after the hour. And in the Data Mines today, we take a look at some statistics coming from the state of Michigan. This is uh, found on MLive.com. And it's data that's coming from the Licensing and Regulatory Affairs uh, Department. That's LARA, they call it, in uh, Michigan. And some interesting data with respect to medical marijuana. And the first one is a bit of a bit of trivia you may not have realized, and that is Michigan 
has the most registered medical marijuana patients in the United States. Now, I know you're saying, wait a minute, California's got to have more than Michigan. Yes, California has more medical marijuana patients than Michigan. The key to that phrase is registered. California doesn't have a statewide registry. So of all the states that have a statewide registry, Michigan is the state with the most registered medical marijuana patients at 182,091. So a shade over 182,000 medical marijuana patients in the state of Michigan. Back in 2012, the number of medical marijuana patients they had was 124,000. So they've increased by almost 60,000 more patients. They've almost increased by half the number of medical marijuana patients they had from just four years ago. So this is a, a pretty amazing growth in the Michigan medical marijuana program, and that's why it's so disturbing to find the state of Michigan working so hard to kill access for these medical marijuana patients, to take away medical marijuana dispensaries, for example. Where are those 182,091 patients supposed to get their medicine? They also took a look at the concentration of the medical marijuana patients, and the northern lower peninsula has the highest concentration of medical marijuana patients per population. And if you don't know Michigan well, geographically speaking, you got the Michigan part that's the lower peninsula. That's the one that looks like a mitten, kind of. And then you got that upper peninsula there that's that kind of like strip up on the north, right? So not that part, not the, the little detached part of Michigan, but the main mitten part, the northern part of that mitten is the highest concentration. 42 patients per 1,000 uh, residents there in that uh, northern area. That's uh, Montmorency County has the highest concentration. And some of the other counties nearby are, are close to that as well. The lowest concentration of, uh, of patients is in the northern, uh, in the northern lower peninsula is, um, I'm sorry, wait a minute. I misread that, my fault. They're just saying most of the northern <laughs> lower peninsula is the most patients. But where the least amount of patients are, are in western Michigan. Kent and Ottawa counties are uh, 12 and 11 per 1,000 residents. Kalamazoo County down to 14 per 1,000 residents. And what they find is that the more people in a community, the lower is the concentration of medical marijuana patients. Uh, Wayne County in Michigan, that's uh, down in the Detroit area, and your big metro areas there, uh, has the highest number of patients, just about 25,000 patients in that county. But because there's so many people in that county, it only has 14.7 patients per 1,000 the seventh fewest in the state of all the major counties in Michigan, only Genesee County fourth in population is in the top 10 of concentration. Uh, they're fourth in the total population of patients ninth with 30.3 patients per 1000 residents. And the number one statistic here, and this is one that you'll hear seized on by our opponents often. And that is for which conditions are people registering for medical marijuana and the number one condition in Michigan for medical marijuana use is severe and chronic pain. 92.86%, nearly 93% of the patients are getting it for pain. And this is where our opponents will seize on a stat like that and they'll go, oh, see, see, so-called medical marijuana. They're just getting it for a headache. They're just getting it for a backache. They're just getting it for pain. As if pain was no big deal, right? But yeah, they try, to, they try to fool people by saying, see, they're not really getting it for cancer. They're not really getting it for AIDS. They're getting it for just 
quote unquote pain. Well, here's how you debunk that. 92% are getting it for pain. 23% are getting it for muscle spasms. About 9% for nausea, 4.5% for cancer, about 3% for PTSD. And have you thought for a second, wait a minute, Russ, that's over 100%. (laughs) Well, good catch. Exactly. It's over 100% because people can qualify under more than one condition. So say you got AIDS, You'd qualify for that, but you might also put down that I've got pain too, because guess what? AIDS hurts. AIDS cause some pain, right? So you'd qualify under both those things. So do you suppose people with cancer have some pain? Do you suppose people with severe nausea might also have some pain? Do you suppose the people with severe and persistent muscle spasms might have some pain? Of course. Pain is the number one symptom of almost any condition that you can get medical marijuana for. Hepatitis C, Crohn's disease, wasting syndrome, Alzheimer's, ALS, nail patella, any of those things could also have pain that attends it. So what we really find is that, yes, most medical marijuana patients are getting it for pain because most of the qualifying conditions also have pain as a part of that condition. But even for those patients who are getting it just for pain, I fail to understand why that's a problem when we have such an epidemic of chronic pain in this country, and when everybody, including the drug czar, is running around the country with their hair on fire over the heroin epidemic and over the opiate painkiller epidemic, those epidemics aren't just making themselves up, they're reactions to pain. Their reactions to people in pain. And if we keep from them the safer option of medical cannabis, all we do is create more incentive to use the more harmful drugs. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Dr. Mitch Erdewine answering your cannabis Q&A right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. 
CannabisRadio.com. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. It is 32 after the hour. Time for our Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch. Uh, Welcome back, Dr. Mitch. How are you? A pleasure to be back, and I'm doing great. I finally got all this tech stuff figured out. I, <laughs> it's always a Monday. I seem to have the connection issues, so thanks for being patient with us. No problem, and sorry I had a weird microphone thing going before or I would have picked up earlier. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. We got it all going on now. And, uh, folks, if you want to call in, our phone number is 971-533-7111. If you've got a question for Dr. Mitch Earlywine or just get it into our chat room here on CannabisRadio.com. But uh, before we get into all that, we've got a whole bunch of studies that have uh, taken place since Dr. Mitch and I last spoke. And this first one is really disturbing to me, Dr. Mitch, because for so long we sold the idea of marijuana legalization as a way to address the racial disparities in this country. And this latest study is saying even though we legalized in the legal states, when people do get busted, they still tend to be black and brown. What can you tell us about this study? Well, it's intriguing because I was disheartened too, and uh, I've talked to some law enforcement officers who are trying to, you know, make some sense of this without it sounding racist. They emphasize that uh, folks of African American or uh, Caribbean descent or Latinos tend to deal more outside, and they're saying that might be a source of it. But they're still literally uh, more more than twice as likely to get arrested, and it just it. It breaks my heart. I really thought that legalization was going to have a big impact on this. I did get a a call from Rosalie Pacula, uh, an economist at RAND, and she said it's actually, you know, comparable to some of the things that are happening with other arrest rates for other crimes, though. So we shouldn't, you know, lose heart and we just got to work hard and make sure that, you know, folks get the opportunity to do what they need to do and live the lives they need to live. So, So the bright side is that marijuana arrests are no more racist than the rest of them? Isn't that a heartbreaker? My yeah. God. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes on that. And I do believe that, you know, this uh, also uh, dovetails into discussions we've had about the, the whitewashing, they say, of the, of the green rush and how some of the, the marijuana legalization laws tend to be racist in discriminate against people who've had previous convictions from getting licenses or they'll have like Oregon's law has this really vague character reference like if they have good character they can work against uh, minority applicants uh, uh, have you heard that yourself and and what do you think about that uh, aspect? indeed and even when you start thinking about what's required in order to start uh, a cannabis related business in these tax and regulated markets clearly you know folks with money are just going to have a big advantage and it's it's really rough yeah. All right. Let's get to this other one. And I discussed this last week on the show, and I have a feeling you're going to think the same things I thought about it. But it's the study, and it's it's caught 
wildfire on the web. It's on Newsweek now uh, that regular marijuana use as a younger person is linked to economic and social problems as a middle-aged person. And uh, what's the big problem with this study? Well, obviously, these folks just aren't randomly assigned, and they try to statistically control for some of these social or economic disadvantages. But obviously, you can't really draw any kind of causal conclusions, and I wish they had done a better job at measuring some of the other drug use, some of the alcohol use, and things like that, that they did even with the cannabis use. And I I realize, you know, we've been doing this show for years now, Russ. The same data set, they follow up if they keep getting their grants every four years or so. And so then they make it sound like it's all a brand new finding when really you six have years the ago time they permitted were for recording saying the same message. thing with the exact same if you're satisfied with and now the they message, treat this like it's a brand new deal to when in fact it's, it's just we've already seen in the sample that some three. subset of these folks who happen to use cannabis also seem to be running into troubles. But I feel like if treating this as a brand new thing is completely unfair because it's confounded by all the previous times it's been reported. Yeah, and uh, I'm having some weird thing going on with my Skype right now about uh, saving a message. So I'm going to uh, drop our connection for a second and see if I can make that be quiet. Oh, we're doing it live, folks. This is what happens sometimes when you're doing it live. Let's see if we can uh, end that uh, connection. And recon- Sorry, you're having trouble. <laughs> yeah. Your message has been sent. Please try Thank again you, later. Thank you, Skype. I Goodbye. appreciate it. Goodbye, Skype. Okay. We are doing it live. So sorry. Uh, let's get Dr. Mitch back off the line. I think we had a second line that was open. Uh, Dr. Mitch, are, are you back there? Indeed. Sorry. That must have been quite the message to save. Yeah, I guess. There's, there's like two <laughs> connections going there at the same time. But uh, the, the bottom line I thought on this study, too, is that, gee, I'm really surprised that when you drug test me for all the good jobs and you take my scholarship for a P test that my life turned out worse. What do you know? Well, and in New Zealand, they're not as bad as they are in the States about some of that, but I think they're they're covering up some of the socioeconomic differences that may not be statistically significant, but are actually reasonable effects. And I want to emphasize, too, that with a sample, they've got over a thousand people here, so they say, ooh, it's significantly more, but often it translates to something that, that wouldn't be that big a deal if we could actually see the scales they're measuring it on. All right. Now, this next study, uh, I didn't go too deep into this one because I wasn't exactly sure what to make of it, but it was a report that pot users' brains might react differently to social exclusion, a a test of 18 to 25-year-olds, and whether or not certain areas of the brain lit up when they were being, I guess, dissed. Uh, (laughs) What can we make of this, this study? Well, in truth, again, we don't have random assignment, but also I feel like uh, they're framing this as if there's some kind of deficit here when, in fact, it may be an increased sensitivity. The folks go in and then they play this game where basically you're playing ball with two other people uh, in the virtual world, or so you think, and those two start throwing the ball back and forth and, and skipping you, right? And then they say, ooh, the, the cannabis users uh, had this different function in this uh, certain area that we didn't really expect, and it's the insula. Nobody would expect the insula to be involved with anything as far as cannabis users are concerned. We're always talking amygdala, hippocampus, stuff like that. So I feel like they just took a giant scan and looked every single place they could, and sure enough, ooh, it's the insula. So I wouldn't make too much of this until – the replications come in, but then they say, ooh, marijuana users might be less conscious of social norms. No, to me, this suggests they're much more sensitive, that in fact, you're a little bit paranoid when the other guys start playing ball without you. Yeah, yeah, and I also wondered how that might tie into the 
the demographics of marijuana use, how it tends to peak between 18 and 25, and then afterwards declines. And I wonder, maybe as a new young person, a new young adult, uh, when you're feeling those social anxieties, the cannabis use reduces that fear for you. But as you get older, you're more accustomed to social situations. You don't need it as much. I, I didn't know what to make of it. It's intriguing because that link to social anxiety may really be an important component here. I think you're on to something, Russ. All right. Let's take a look at this one because a lot of people have been talking about CBD use. And this uh, report says that CBD's fast-acting antidepressant effects could hold promise for those struggling with depression. So is that a possibility? We could be looking at CBD as an antidepressant? I'm blown away by this. And obviously, it's still in the rodent stages, but... uh, you know, I'm always a big fan of psychotherapy for depression, but uh, if you're on a medication, psychotherapy makes it better, but it still takes a couple weeks to kick in. And this looks as if the cannabidiol might be uh, acting more quickly, at least through that 5-HT sort of mechanism. But I also want to emphasize that the SSRIs and some of the other uh, medications for depression can be super nauseating. So people, you know, go on for a few days, then they got to go off because they can't stomach it. Then they try a second one, then they try a third. And if, you know, everybody can take CBD without any weird, almost everybody can take it without any weird nausea or reaction. So I, I super optimistic about this. I hope this pans out. Hmm. Oh, we'll keep our eye on that. Uh, of course, there's been a lot of discussion in America, and we just recently did a story on the Vermont governor pointing out the opioid overdose uh, rates in this country, the heroin addiction epidemic that people are talking about. This latest study finds that medical marijuana use reduces opiate use. Uh, this just sounds like a follow-up to other studies because we've reported this before. Exactly. And it's nice to get confirmation. I had to double check to make sure it wasn't actually the same data set and they were just a little late on the news. But yeah, we've got uh, different ways of approaching this this question and they all seem to converge on on this. We've seen it in Canada. We've seen it in the United States. Uh, I I can't find a a stronger argument for uh, medical cannabis uh, particularly given all its other wonderful effects. So I I sure hope that uh, legislators are paying attention. And uh, this other study also seems like something we've mentioned before, and that's cannabis being able to help the brain cells heal the brain cells that are damaged by alcohol abuse. And this was neat because it went a step further and looked at that CB2 receptor and its involvement. And so it it seems like, uh, you know, we're just in the animal phase here, but we've seen some converging evidence with the... uh, the neuropsych findings in alcohol and cannabis users in humans. And now we've got a pretty uh, detailed mechanism here. I feel like, you know, CBD can hit the CB2 receptor in certain circumstances. It may be just cannabidiol. It wouldn't even be psychoactive. I, I wish we could get a clinical trial of this up and running. But, you know, good old Schedule 1, this yeah. is going to be a real long time before we can get the answer. Well, those last two studies kind of follow up on something we discussed last time we talked, and that was how, you know, when kids have problems with weed, the first thing we do is exclude them from social activities, take them out of the extracurriculars, like the worst thing we could do for them. And these other two studies kind of point to two other, like, opposite things that we do than what we should do. Uh, When we find medical marijuana reduces opiate deaths, why are we forcing people with opiate prescriptions to have to take P-tests to go off of medical marijuana? Even the, wasn't it the, uh, was it the FDA or the, no, it was the CDC that recently said that was a bad idea. And then this one with alcohol and marijuana, all the states that have legalized keep trying to say, wherever there's marijuana, there cannot be alcohol. Wherever there's alcohol, there cannot be marijuana. Seems to be 
harm uh, increasing rather than harm reduction. It's it's funny because we're sort of pitting the the drunk driving literature against the brain <laughs> the brain development literature. So in fact, there is an oddball synergistic effect with cannabis and alcohol in driving. So even back in in the nineties, uh, the data coming out of Amsterdam were suggesting that you know it's just it's not a good idea to do both of these and drive. And in truth, alcohol and driving just don't mix. But we've got a, an opportunity to preserve function that alcohol might dissipate but unfortunately it then makes the drive home more difficult so i'm i'm looking forward to starting a taxi company or something there we go we uh the duber for uber uh, uber duber whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> there we go well folks uh make sure you catch dr mitch early Wine's podcast it's here on cannabisradio.com. it's called burning issues and he spends an entire half hour talking just like this going over the nitty-gritty of the scientific and research and cultural details of cannabis if that's your if that's your bag that's what you'll want to get into here on CannabisRadio.com, the Burning Issues show. And uh, if you uh, felt nervous or shy about calling in, we totally understand that. You can uh, get your questions in anonymously, if you like, by emailing 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. And our phone line is open 24 hours a day, 971-533-7111. You can leave a voicemail question for Dr. Mitch, if you like. Dr. Mitch, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, Russ. Thank you, sir. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we'll have news on the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo with Morris Beagle coming up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. Coming soon to a city near you. Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. 
Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old man smells. And it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Activism begins with act. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everybody. 47 after the hour. And today in the activist agenda, we're rejoined by a friend of the show. Morris Beagle is on the line. Morris, welcome back. Hello, Morris. Hi, thanks for having me back, Russ. Oh, so glad to have you here. We're talking about the NOCO Hemp Expo. That's northern Colorado. And uh, that's this weekend, correct? Yes, it is. Friday and Saturday. All right. Let's tell folks, you just give them the, uh, give them an idea of what they can expect at the NOCO Hemp Expo this weekend. All right. Well, we've got two days. We've got Friday and Saturday. Friday is really the B2B industry day. And then Saturday is our general open to the public day. And we've got 130 plus vendors. Uh, we've got over 50 sponsors got over 70 speakers from all around the world coming in to talk about a, a variety of topics, including, um, you know, the roots of the industry, how it all began, um, the seed situation that we're facing here in Colorado and around the country, farming, cultivation, processing, technology, science, genetics, and on and on and on. Um, we've also got a lot of workshops. We've got building with hemp, cooking with hemp, juicing with hemp, uh, crafting with hemp, making paper with hemp. Um, let's see. Well, man, we've just got so much going on. It's great. We have an art zone where we're going to have artists painting on hemp paper and a kid's area that they can color on hemp paper. So this uh, is uh, got a hemp you, tomorrow stage. Morris, when you're referring to this as the uh, the hemp expo, then we're specifically saying the industrial type hemp, not hemp as a generic term for all cannabis. Right. We're talking about cannabis hemp and not cannabis marijuana. If we're going to we go. separate, you know, it's all cannabis. It's, it's one plant. It's one battle. But, you know, we're, we're really fighting this side of the battle, which is a battle that, you know, it's been a real bitch to fight. You know, the marijuana side of things has moved forward. There's a lot more money that's been invested in it. And, you know, that industry has had customers you know, for a long time here in the U.S., and once things became legal, those customers just came above ground, and so did all the growers and processors and that whole, you know, distribution network. So this side of it, it's really all about the industrial side and the nutritional side with the food and the body care, and now the CBD, nutraceutical side, um, you know, health supplements. And, you know, that that side of it is a lot more interesting to, you know, a lot of your kind of marijuana connoisseurs because they're into the medical side and all those benefits. And you can get a lot of those same benefits, you know, with low THC or no THC. Um, but obviously the THC for a lot of the medical side of things has that entourage effect and you'll get better results depending on what the 
situation may be. Right. And you were mentioning how you're going to have demonstrations on juicing, for example, where people are getting a lot of these uh, nutritional benefits and some medicinal benefits from, you know, say CBD, for example. Uh, Could you go into a little detail about that? Oh, yeah. We've got this gal named Cease. Uh, she works for a company called CPDRX that's our presenting title sponsor, and she's a, a very knowledgeable cook and, you know, preparing healthy foods, and she does juicing with hemp and, you know, other organic fruits and vegetables. And, you know, when you juice cannabis, the nutrients that are in the cannabis plant are, you know, it's one of the most nutritious plants on the planet. And so... You know, the only difference between juicing marijuana and juicing hemp is, will be the level of THC in the plant and the other cannabinoids that are in there. And, you know, with hemp, you know, a lot of this hemp has really high CBD and, you know, some of it's got higher CBN and, you know, CBG and some of these other cannabinoids. But, you know, from a juicing standpoint, it's super healthy. And, you know, if one can afford to do it, I would recommend juicing this stuff every day. I've I've heard that from a lot of people that are very into the raw cannabis juicing and say that it has remarkable nutritional benefits for them. Of course, the hemp seed, we all know about its proteins and omega-3, 6, 9 balance. And we're speaking with Morris Beagle from the NOCO Hemp Expo. It's taking place Friday as more of a B2B thing, and then Saturday, more of a, a public in, invitation sort of thing. Where can people get tickets? Where is it being held? Uh, give them kind of the geographic information they need. It's being held in Loveland, Colorado at the Ranch Events Complex, which is right off I-25. It's easy access from Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins. Um, Tickets are available online at nocohempexpo.com. There's a B2B ticket that covers both days and then a general admission ticket for Saturday. And... Yeah, we're in northern Colorado. What's the the times uh, on the day? What time do you open and close? 10 to 6, both days. Okay, 10 to 6, Friday and Saturday. B2B ticket gets you both days. General admission gets you Saturday. Check this out, the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. Uh, Another aspect of hemp that has a lot of people excited is as a building material. Do you have any demonstrations people will be able to see about hempcrete or anything like that? Yep, we've actually got a hemp workshop, a hemp building workshop both days um, put on by John Patterson of Tiny Hemp Houses. And he's got a couple other gentlemen that will be working with him on those workshops. And then we've got a building panel on Friday discussing, you know, where things are at here domestically with him building and what's going on around the planet with him building. All right. And how about this as a uh, – so yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, oh, there's a, there's a gentleman named Sergi who's coming over from uh, – from Europe, who's a pretty expert, you know, a expert builder guy that's going to be participating as well in the workshop. And we've got people from Europe and China and Canada and a variety of international folks that are coming in specifically for this event to talk and exhibit and participate. You know, uh, that this is a cannabis hemp event and not a cannabis marijuana event. How would this stack up as, say, a family-friendly affair? Would there be things for kids to see that would be appropriate things for them to do and touch? Yeah. So we do, in our art zone, we were going to have a table set up so they can color on hemp paper. And and last year we had kids. It is a family-friendly event. I mean, the 
vast, vast majority is all really hemp-driven. There are some vendors that play on both sides of the fence, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're not, you're not going to walk in there and see a bunch of vape booths and bongs and pipes and that sort of thing. It's, it's really focused on the industrial side of things. But, you know, being cannabis, and it's pretty supported, you know, all the way around. The hemp people support the the medical and recreational side and vice versa. So, you know, that element, you can't get away from that element. But if you go to a marijuana event and you see some hemp vendors, they're like a second, you know, an afterthought. Yeah. And at our event, you know, that's what it's all about. And, it, you know, whatever little marijuana stuff could be around there. It's not really about that it's because those people are playing on both sides of the fence. Gotcha. Now, who are some of the speakers uh, that you'll have there? Uh, well, we've got one of your regulars. He's giving the keynote for State of the Industry, and that's Doug Fine. Oh, yes. And, yep, you know, Doug's. this will be his third NOCO, and he's been participating at all of them, and he's been a great supporter of this event, and he's certainly you know, an expert internationally and has visited a lot of hemp farms and people that are in the industry and can talk very knowledgeable about a lot of different areas. Um, so he's, he's a keynote. We also have Ben Franklin. He's a Ben Franklin impersonator. He's one of the top guys in the world. Uh, it's benfranklinlive.com. And he's going to keynote and talk about patriotism, humanity, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and talk about that time period and, and, you know, how the country was founded and, you know, a lot of things that need to be talked about in today's environment because our environment politically right now is about as chaotic as it can get. Hopefully this is as chaotic as it can get. Well, you know, that, I guess we'll see what happens the next few years. <laughs> absolutely. And I know that there's been, I, I read some stories and maybe this was Tennessee where I was reading this story, but where some previous uh, farmers that had farmed hemp the year previous weren't going to take it up the next year because of all the hassle of getting seed and getting through all the permitting process. Is, is that the state of the industry there in, in Colorado? Are the farmers a little reluctant now because of the bureaucracy? Not really. I mean, we've got a regulatory system set up here with the Department of Agriculture that's pretty friendly in comparison to the other states. And we've got a lot of interested farmers. Um, We do have a seed problem. Seed's expensive here, and there's import issues. And over the course of the next year or two, we're going to work through that. We're going to have a certified seed program that's going into place this year. And it's just growing pains because the crop's been, you know, banned for so long. And, and to get it off the ground now, there's still issues at the federal level. There's gray areas, and it needs to come completely off the schedule and just be total Department of Agriculture, you know, no FDA, no DEA. I mean, other than the FDA kind of monitoring it like they do the natural foods industry and you can't make medicinal claims and, um, you know, you need to make sure if you're putting out a bottle of CBD oil that says it's got 500 milligrams in it, it really needs to have that. It shouldn't have no milligrams or 10 milligrams because then you're screwing the customer. And, and that snake oil salesman aspect is something that the FDA will target and, you know, as long as we keep them at bay and and this is uh, marketed as, you know, a natural product, you know, a dietary supplement, at least on that end, that's that's a problematic end that kind of exists right now. But I think over the course of the next couple of years, all that stuff's going to get worked out. 
and you know we'll be growing hemp all around the country. Oh, looking forward to it. Folks, it's the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo, NOCO Hemp Expo. It's a .com, right? Yes, it is. All right, NoCoHempExpo.com. Check it out. B2B on Friday, general public on Saturday. Morris Beagle, thanks for joining us and telling us all about it. All right. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate you having me on. You betcha. All right, folks, that's all the time we got for Hour 1 here, but stay tuned. Hour 2 is coming next here on CannabisRadio.com, live from Boulder City, Nevada. We've got some uh, Bernie Sanders talk for you. We've got another stupid prohibition story, a drug tunnel in Mexico, cannabis sense, and more. Coming up next, for everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tow. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the snoopy, snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. You can uh, call in with your questions, comments, complaints, arguments, debates, suggestions. Whatever it is, we're here for you. That's what we mean by the voice of the marijuana nation. We are giving you a voice live here on CannabisRadio.com. Every weekday, 4 o'clock Pacific Time, or you can call anytime. You can call 24 hours a day. Our studio line here at the Russ Belville Show is 971-533-7111. You can leave a voicemail, and if we like it, we'll play it back. And remember, we especially like callers who disagree. Please call in if you disagree. Folks, I am not a college-educated man. I took some college, but I don't have a college degree. 
I've learned most of what I know from the school of hard knocks, from going out there, making mistakes, saying stupid things and getting corrected on them. So if I've said something stupid, call me on it. Give me a call. 971-533-7111. If you disagree, I might learn something. I think that'd be pretty cool. All right. I wanted to play a clip for you. This is coming from Vermont's WPTZ.com. Presidential candidate Bernie Sanders sat down with their reporter and had this to say about marijuana. His response when we asked about the effort to legalize marijuana in Vermont. I'm not big into marijuana. I've smoked it twice in my life when I was very young and The result for me was I did a lot of coughing. He doesn't like getting high, but he does like the idea of making recreational marijuana legal. As a candidate for president, what I have said is that it is absurd that marijuana be listed as a Schedule I drug under the Federal Controlled Substance Act, right alongside of heroin. Now, you can argue the pluses and minuses of marijuana. Nobody thinks it is equivalent to heroin. And I have proposed taking it out of the Schedule 1. I don't think it should be a federal offense. He wants to refocus the war on drugs to heroin and opiate addiction. Sanders doesn't think people should have police records for possession of pot, a position that's probably sitting well with his younger supporters. There's no doubt people are feeling the burn. There we go. So Bernie Sanders uh, on the marijuana issue, and he's never been shy about saying that he has used marijuana. And it just didn't do it for him. And there are plenty of people like that. It's fine, man. Uh, it, it, try it. You don't like it. Doesn't work for you. That's great. I mean, scotch doesn't work for me. You know, and that's your thing. You like scotch? Great. Enjoy it. As long as you're not harming me, not harming society, not harming others through your use, you're using responsibly. That's not the problem. That's not a problem. And it's important we recognize when we start talking about this war on drugs that other drugs also can be used responsibly. Yes, we're all upset and worried about this heroin problem for the people who actually have addiction and a dysfunctional relationship with it, but we need to understand that most people that use heroin don't have a problem with it. Most people that use meth or cocaine don't have a problem with it. Now, that's not to say that meth or cocaine or heroin should be legal like marijuana should be legal. Certainly, marijuana should be an over-the-counter product for anyone over the age of 18, as far as I'm concerned. Now, cocaine, marijuana, or cocaine, meth, and heroin, uh, perhaps those require some doctor's interventions. Perhaps those require a little more attention from society, maybe a little more stringent regulation. But like Senator Sanders says, discuss the pluses and minuses of marijuana. Nobody thinks it's equivalent to heroin, and there's no reason it should be regulated as such. All right, we're going to take a break, pay a couple of the bills, and when we come back... A stupid prohibition story. Ah, you know them, you love them, you can't get enough of them. Stick around, we're back in just two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. 
Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that too. Okay, maybe you're high too. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. I hope everybody's got their vape pen handy or their pipe or their bong or whatever you use to do your medicine. You don't, it's not a requirement. You don't have to be high for this show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're talking to. You have to be high to do anything. At least I do. I don't know about you. In fact, I've been high so long that being straight is another high. The Tommy Chung Podcast. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, just about nine minutes past four here in Boulder City, Nevada. Can have yourselves a good time tonight. I'm headed out to... Las Vegas, going to go catch a Las Vegas show, just because I'm in Las Vegas, and why the hell not? <laughs> I should catch a show. We may be coming to you live from a Las Vegas dispensary on the Strip. Stay tuned for those details. If it happens, it'll happen on Wednesday. Wait a minute. This is Something's coming in on our flux capacitor, ladies and gentlemen. Stupid. Prohibition. Story. As a public service, the Russ Belleville Show reminds you that smoking marijuana does not make one stupid. However, some stupid people do smoke marijuana, and Prohibition is always waiting for another victim. Learn your lesson from today's Stupid Prohibition Stories. With your Stupid Prohibition Stories, I'm old-timey 1920s radio reporter Freddie Farrakh. This just in from Clark County, Washington. An Easter egg hunt was underway in a Salmon Creek neighborhood Saturday evening when a man started yelling that his roommates planned to shoot him, according to Clark County authorities. The odd events, according to the Clark County Sheriff's Office, led investigators to making a big pot bust and three arrests. The screaming started about 6 p.m., prompting deputies to respond. Clark County Sheriff Commander John Horse said in a news release that when deputies arrived at the residence, they found a significant amount of marijuana, an operation that was not licensed in Washington. Recreational pot is legal in Washington, but selling it from home isn't. The pot selling was done through the home, Horse said, and investigators believe the weed was sold across the country. Detectives obtained a warrant to search the home and four cars. They found 45 pounds of 
marijuana, valued at over $202,000. Investigators also seized more than $108,000 in suspected drug profits, documents related to marijuana trafficking, and five cars either used as part of the operation or purchased with drug money. Detectives did not find any guns. Investigators arrested Charles Yorkovich, age 24, Joseph Sullivan, age 24, and Jordan Long, 27, all of Vancouver, on felony drug warrants. I'm Freddie Farrakh, with your stupid prohibition story. Oh, my goodness. This is right across from uh, Portland, Oregon, folks. Vancouver, Washington. <laughs> Man comes out running and screaming during an Easter egg hunt. My roommates are going to shoot me. My roommates are going to shoot me. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's a tip. If you're uh, running a cross-country drug trafficking organization, try to find a less attentive way of settling your disputes. <laughs> try try to work it out without all the screaming in the middle of the Easter egg hunt. Uh, right? <laughs> what the hell? All these guys, I feel bad for them, but damn, guys. Now, here's one interesting piece, though, right? Y- you got to love it when they, they give you the cop's view, the prosecutor's charges, when they catch people with weed, right? Did, did you catch the the amount they said the weed was worth? They said they seized 45 pounds of pot valued at $202,000. 45 pounds valued at $202,000. And I'm like, well, how much is that a pound, right? Well, I did the math. <laughs> I did the math, folks. And that works out to about $4,500 a pound. $4,500 a pound. Now, I don't know where they're selling it to get $4,500 for a pound of weed. But that's what they come up with, $4,488 for a pound. Now, here's what the cops are doing. Cops do this to make it seem like they did a better job. They want to pump up their numbers, right? So they're not going by what these guys were selling the weed for, right? When people are dealing weed at that level, they're dealing in pounds. They're dealing in kilos, right? They're dealing in large amounts, and the buy and sell is done in a large amount, They're not selling it an eighth at a time to people. They're selling it back east for whoever's buying it per pound, and they're buying it wholesale. There's no way they're spending $4,500 a pound wholesale. But if you take that $4,488 pound and you divide it into 16 ounces, and then you divide that each ounce into an eighth, now you're getting it down to $35 an eighth. Now, that might be a reasonable expectation for the price, somewhere, you know, back east, 35 and eighth. But that's a little bit of trickeration, isn't it? When they try to say that, when they say it's valued at 202, that's not what those guys would have made from it. Now, when the investigators said they seized 108,000 in drug profits, the 108,000, that would be a more realistic number for what they'd get for 45 pounds of weed, about 100,000, 100 grand maybe, right? Weed selling it, 2000 a pound, that's a reasonable wholesale cost, even when we're talking about distributing it to the east or to the Midwest even. So 
be aware of that. When you hear these stories, whenever they give you a number, we seized X amount of weed valued at Y amount of dollars, do the math. Figure out what they're talking about because this can be used against them in the future under legalization. There's a very famous case that came through in Colorado, and I believe it was uh, Rob Corey was the attorney behind this. If not, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. And what had happened is the cops had seized this guy's marijuana plants. Oh, it's, it's, it's worse when they do plants, by the way, right? When they seize weed, when, when they've got grass just in big old bales, right? They, 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 do that, they do the math on that badly as it is. But when they seize a plant, they'll estimate what they think that plant would have produced. And then they take that number and do the bad math with it, right? So plants always end up being like, oh, this plant's worth $5,000 because this plant would have produced a pound of weed, right? It's a damn seedling. You don't know how much it would have produced. It might have been hermaphroditic. You don't know. (laughs) You have no idea what that would have produced, but that's what they do. They want to pump it up in the media, make it look like they're these big, you know, marijuana cowboys taking down the big dealers. So there was a case in Colorado where they took these guys' plants, busted them, right? They took his plants and, you know, the cops, they're not like, putting them in nurseries or anything they put them in evidence lockers they don't water them they don't get any light and the plants die so the guy ends up beating his charges and so he goes back to the cops you know could i have my plants back from the evidence locker and like well uh yeah (laughs) they give him these dried up stalks that are dead right and and the guy sues the police department say, hey, you destroyed my property. You didn't care for my property. And the cops say, well, we, you know, we're not required to care for plants. Well, BS, because now it's legal. Now it's a constitutional right in Colorado. So the attorney, when he's suing for damages, he says, you owe my client. I, it was like 60 grand or something because he had uh, 30 plants, you know, 25 or whatever the number was. It was five grand a plant. And the cops come back, well, you can't, these were just little tiny seedlings. These, they can't be 5,000 a plant. And that's when Corey pulls out the news reports from the past. Well, let's see here on, uh, in 2011, your office seized X number of plants for Y amount of dollars. And you said, and that works out at 5,000 a plant. So are plants worth less now? <laughs> well, of course they are to the cops. They're worth less when you're trying to sue them. <laughs> yeah, of course they're worth less. So he actually managed to get that to stick. The judge uh, he also, you know, tough nuggets, man. You guys said they were worth five grand five years ago. <laughs> they got to be worth at least that now, right? So yeah, this keep track of this. Keep track of the math uh, when you hear these stories. And if you are involved in the illegal side of the market, try to keep a low profile. Yeah, I feel bad for these guys. They're 24, 24, and 27. Now, they're probably going to get some felonies, uh, felony charges. They'll have to go through plea agreements. They'll be on probation for years, have to take P-tests. They'll automatically be disqualified from working in the marijuana industry if they wanted to go legit, which apparently they didn't. But, uh, yeah, running and screaming through the uh, the kids' uh, Easter Easter egg hunt on a Saturday, that's... Uh, that's definitely not good if you're a smuggler. Try, try to avoid those kind of stupid moves. <laughs> All right, folks, you're listening to the Russ Belville Show. It's Toker Talk Radio. We're coming to you live from Boulder City, Nevada. We're just outside of Las Vegas. And this is the, uh, the city that all the federal workers work, uh, all the workers that built the, the uh, Hoover Dam, they kind of lived here. So it used to be kind of a federal thing. 
And now it's uh, an incorporated city and all, but uh, still kind of a hard-ass sort of uh, city when it comes to marijuana, when it comes to those kind of views. So interesting being here in Boulder City. It's been kind of windy today, nice and breezy. Kind of a nice change from being in hot old Phoenix. We'll be bringing you shows here from Boulder City today and tomorrow and Wednesday. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we've got Adam Eidinger. He's the one putting on the April 2nd smokeout at the White House. That'll be happening this Saturday. Wish I could be there. Couldn't come up with enough funds to pull it off. But uh, Adam Eidinger will join us. Tell us all about the smokeout happening this Saturday. Also happening this Saturday is the Ann Arbor Hash Bash in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That goes back to the case of John Sinclair when he was busted 10 years for two joints. The John Lennon song, 10 for two. This is the longest running marijuana protest in the country. Wish I could be there as well. Coming up on Wednesday's show, we've got Doug Fine joining us for our Hemp Day Hump Day update. I'll tell you all about industrial hemp. I'll be off on Thursday, flying back to Portland, Oregon. And then on Friday, we will be joined by Matt from MedEx, telling us all about his company. And uh, if you would like to get interviewed here, if you've got a company that needs some exposure on the Russ Belville Show, make sure you reach out to me. I'm Radical Russ everywhere, RadicalRuss at gmail.com for email. Look at yourself before you pass judgment. It's wise news, Mr. President. Wise, wise news. All right, it's 420 here in uh, Boulder City, Nevada. So I'm going to take our union-mandated smoke break. Although this might be the wrong office to take a union-mandated break. (laughs) Stay tuned. We're back in just two minutes. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News, presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show, or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay, maybe you're high too. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Pod 2.0. 
it's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 22 after the hour. Hope you had a great safety briefing. It's a nice day here. Nice beginning of this week, this final week of March. And uh, starting in April, that's when all of the uh, marijuana events really start to happen. I always think of the Ann Arbor Hash Bash as kind of the unofficial beginning of our uh, of our marijuana calendar, if you will. So that's Ann Arbor Hash Bash happening this weekend, and then middle of uh, middle of May, all sorts of stuff going on here in April. I'm so, I mean, uh, there's a Can Med going on in Boston on uh, Sunday and Monday, the 10th and 11th, uh, medical cannabis convention. There's on April 13th, a Wednesday. I'm so looking forward to this, folks. The 420 Games is putting on a thing for Blazers versus Nuggets. That's right. Blazers versus Nugs, dude. The Portland Trail Blazers and the Denver Nuggets playing basketball at the Moda Center in Portland. And we will be there with uh, Cannabis Radio and the Russ Belville Show in the VIP suite with Uncle Spliffy himself, Cliff Robinson, the former Trail Blazers star, plus others. Uh, don't miss it. I, I can't promise you yet that I'll stream live. When you start dealing with the NBA and some of these high-level things, their their streaming and broadcasting rights are pretty tied down. If I can, I will. If I can't, I'll record, and you'll hear it on the next day's show. Then, uh, starting Thursday, now this is where the schedule gets crazy. Uh, Thursday, the 14th through the 16th of April, is the Patients Out of Time Conference in Baltimore. Friday the 15th and Saturday the 16th is the Students for Sensible Drug Policy Conference in Arlington, Virginia. That's basically D.C. So you get two major conferences overlapping each other on that weekend. I'm trying to make it to both because one's Baltimore, one's D.C. I think I can cover a little bit of both of them. Then overlapping the SSDP on Sunday is mark Kleiman's cannabis summit mark Kleiman was with botech he was the washington state pot czar he's calling together the top minds in marijuana reform marijuana science marijuana research and the antis like kevin sabet's going to be there right uh a bunch of the antis are going to be there too so that's going to be fun that's in new york on the 17th and 18th and then of course the big event the big international event the United Nations General Assembly Special Session, 19th through the 21st. That's right. They scheduled a drug session on 420. The 19th through the 21st at the UN building, I will be there as well. Plus, just about every reformer I know is going. I know I just heard Sharon Ravert from uh, Peachtree Dormal in Georgia. Of course, Michael Kravitz from Veterans for Medical Cannabis Access and many others. So we'll have tons of interviews for you. Uh, April 24th, that's a Sunday, the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference in Eugene, Oregon. I'll be there. Tommy Chong will be there, and Dr. Carl Hart, the superstar. Dr. Carl Hart will be there, and we hope to get an interview with him. In the final week of April, there is the Unity Torch. This is a marijuana uh, cannabis reform group kind of effort to unite the East Coast marijuana groups. Uh, Very important because, you know, West Coast, we've been doing it for so long. They're just getting on board. The Unity Torch will be heading down south, starting from Maine, working its way down, and I believe South Carolina in the first half of that week, like the 25th through 27th kind of, and then Atlanta toward the end of the week. So I'm going to be making my way to South Carolina in the last week of April. 
visiting Big Daddy Fink down there in South Carolina. My first time ever in the Palmetto State. And then uh, we'll go south down to Atlanta and visit with Sharon Ravert and the folks down there and maybe speak at a couple of these events. So that's our April calendar of events. If you want to know more, you can go to RadicalRust.com. I think my calendar's up there. I, I got to do some website updates. I'm not exactly sure if it is up there anymore. But uh, if it's not, we'll get it posted soon. I promise. I promise. Anyway, uh, if you just need, if you missed anything I just said, just email me, RadicalRust at gmail.com. I'll, I'll point you the right direction. We'll get you to an event. And if you want your event announced on our calendar of events, Again, RadicalRust at gmail.com. We'll throw it up there on the calendar. We'll get you some exposure. All right, let's get to some marijuana stories here. This, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a piece we play. You've heard it. Where Dan Michael says, uh, you're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belville Show. And then we have a political clip. And then he says, all right, maybe you're high. And uh, we got that one with Marco Rubio when he talks about, well, if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we'll have to deal with that. Well, folks, that's the point. When Donald Trump talks about building this wall, right? <laughs> it's like, have you heard of catapults? Have you heard of ladders? Have you heard of tunnels? <laughs> it's, it's Walls don't work, right? But he wants to build this big wall. Well, in light of that, our Customs and Border Patrol have discovered a sprawling cross-border drug tunnel. <laughs> this one's going from a home in Calexico, California. And the tunnel leads to a restaurant in Mexicali, Mexico. It's the 12th tunnel they've found so far on the California-Mexico border since 2006. <laughs> so we, we find about a tunnel a year going from California to Mexico. And they found in this tunnel 1,300 pounds of weed. And you got to understand, that's, that's this time. They found 1,300. How many more pounds have been going through this tunnel for how many years, right? The 12th tunnel they've found since 2006, they've found more than 75 along the entire U.S.-Mexico border over the last five years. Uh, California and Arizona, and not all of them completed. So they found 12 of them that are fully functional tunnels. And on top of that, they found at least 75 that, you know, partially completed. Some of them in Arizona that were completed. The uh, Calexico property was a $240,000 house, uh, or $240,000 parcel, and then they built a three-bedroom house on it for $86,000. The first shipment in the tunnel occurred on February 28th, they say. So it hasn't been up there that long. 1,350 pounds of marijuana they found in L.A. So let's see, $240,000 plus $86,000, dollars $326,000 to set up your transfer stop that's just cost of doing business all right 1350 pounds of marijuana right all right um and remember cops say that a pound of marijuana is 4500 bucks right so 4500 let's do the math folks 4500 times your 1350 pounds is six million dollars so yeah you're gonna put down 386 grand on a piece of land in calexico in a house and you've more than made up for that in your first shipment through the tunnel. Now, of course, there's expenses in building the tunnel, too. And you got to have the land on the other side of Mexico, too. I think you could pull it off for $6 million. I think $6 million might cover it. And that's one shipment. That's to show you how futile this is to think that you can repeal the law of supply and demand. 
people in America want weed. People in Mexico have weed. They want to sell it. And this is a tunnel for weed could just as easily be a tunnel for meth. And Mexican methamphetamine production has skyrocketed since the United States has put together all sorts of uh, barriers to acquiring pseudoephedrine and all sorts of uh, task force to go after meth labs and such. So now Mexican meth can go through those tunnels. And if you can get a bale of marijuana and a bunch of meth through a tunnel, you can get people through those tunnels too. So these ideas, these these xenophobic ideas of building walls to keep people out. And by the way, when governments build walls to keep people out, they oftentimes turn into walls to keep people in. Don't forget that part. But it's still futile. There's just too much money to be made in building the tunnels and too much demand to get drugs and human beings through them for this to ever stop. Now, this this one particular tunnel they just busted uh, was a 300-yard tunnel. 300-yard tunnel. Ran from... um, the El Sarape Mexican restaurant in Mexico, uh, 300 yards through Mexico and then another 100 yards into the U.S. into a house in Calexico, which is a city of about 40,000 people, 120 miles east of San Diego. And um, according to Laura Duffy, from uh, she's the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of California, she says, quote, This house and tunnel were constructed under the watchful eye of law enforcement. For the builders, the financiers, and the operators of these passageways, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. We will seize your drugs and your tunnel before you even have a chance to use it. So you got that? They they knew they were building the house and the tunnel. They, They let them build the house and the tunnel so that they could bust them for building the house and the tunnel and shipping the drugs through it. They They just let it occur. Go ahead and dig and <laughs> okay so how how has that stopped anyone from building other tunnels when you were watching this tunnel you just happen to be watching this one but they're you know they're building other ones for every one that you're catching there's at least two others out there that you have no idea about now they're saying this is uh, related to sinaloa cartel uh sinaloa cartel is the uh the murderous, torturing, beheading cartel that uh, controls the border traffic in the Imperial Valley of California. Of course, that is your main trafficking points to Los Angeles and to Phoenix. And Sinaloa, that's the cartel El Chapo uh, was the head of before they captured him in January. And of course, we're talking about these cartels that are literally beheading people and think nothing of pulling up a big dump truck in the middle of rush hour traffic, lifting the truck and dumping out headless bodies in rush hour in Monterey to make their point that they can't be stopped. When I continue to hear these opponents of marijuana legalization try to scare me with the specter of big marijuana, this big marijuana, it's going to become the Walmart of weed. It's going to be like Marlboro and Budweiser, and they're going to have commercials, and it's going to be t- big marijuana is coming. And I think I'm not afraid of big marijuana. 
I'm afraid of the current big marijuana that chops people's heads off. <laughs> that, that's a big, they're big marijuana. That's who big marijuana is right now, is the Sinaloa cartel, is El Chapo, is your street corner dealer. All levels of the people involved in the prohibition trade are the current big marijuana. They're the current big marijuana that doesn't pay taxes, that doesn't card kids, that doesn't take their disputes to court. They're the big marijuana that kills and maims and keeps the price of marijuana artificially high, artificially high enough that you can afford to buy $386,000 worth of land, put up a house and dig a tunnel. <laughs> Nobody's doing that for Dos Equis. Nobody's doing that for Patron, right? You don't see uh, Corona and Dos Equis fighting it out in the street for, for turf. You don't see Patron and Jose Cuervo battling each over and each other and chopping each other's heads off because they're legal substances even though they're far more dangerous substances than the marijuana we're talking about how is it in this society we figured out how to commoditize and corporatize the worst substance there is and i'm not saying there's not problems with the way we deal with alcohol but we found that that was preferable even the terrible alcohol system we have now, whatever you think about it, is preferable to Al Capone. That only took us 13 years to learn. This lesson's taking us 80. It's like America's getting dumber or something. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back in just two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. I hope everybody's got their vape pen handy or their pipe or their bong or whatever you use to do your medicine. But you don't, it's not a requirement. You don't have to be high for this show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're talking to. You have to be high to do anything. At least I do. I don't know about you. In fact, I've been high so long that being straight is another high. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Welcome to my world. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a stuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Uh, welcome back. 38 after the hour. Actually, 39 after the hour. And coming to you live from Boulder City, Nevada. Going to make my way into Las Vegas tonight. Going to go catch a show. I, I, I figured I, uh, I deserved a show. I figured it was nice. I, I, I work hard. <laughs> I, I do a lot of travel. I kind of took it easy on myself this time. I, I actually flew first class here from Phoenix. And I never, ever fly first class. I never do it. I'm always in, in coach, man. But this one time, you know, I, I was checking in for the flight and I had to check in a bag, right? Bag cost 25 bucks. Asked me if I want to upgrade to first class for 50 bucks. Like, okay, I'll spend the extra money. I'll spend the extra 25 bucks to sit in a human sized seat. Wow. What a difference it makes flying. <laughs> I, I might get addicted to this. I, this might be my indulgence folks. I might have to fly more first class. My goodness. Drinks as often as you want them here. Drink, 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 leg room, a seat. You can actually sit in. That's comfortable. Oh, I'm being, I'm being corrupted folks. I'm being corrupted. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not, I can't afford that. I can't afford first class. This is one time. Indulge me just this one time people. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's a, there's a great story up on Leafly that I wanted to bring up that ref- references one of my uh, favorite dispensaries back in Portland, Oregon. And that would be Nectar. Nectar has a few locations. I used to visit the one on uh, northeast Portland and Sandy Boulevard. Here they're speaking with Tyson Dieter, who's a manager at their southwest Portland Nectar office. And uh, this is all about cannabis scent, the odor, right? And it's a really interesting thing. It's interesting to me because I don't have much sense of smell. I'm I'm partially nose blind, <laughs> if there is such a thing, right? I don't, I can't smell very well. Um, I blame this on white powders in the '90s, but I don't, I just don't smell very well. Okay, so when people, when I'm going to buy weed, you know, and in Oregon, when you're buying weed, you can, they've got it in bulk in the jars, like they do in California and Colorado. So you can just open the jar and stick your face down in there. Ah, oh, it smells good, right? Washington, you can't do that. So right off the bat, I want to kind of talk about how, as we're legalizing marijuana, there are some things that we ought to be doing from the consumer's perspective, okay? And one thing we ought to do is the consumer ought to be able to see and smell what they're buying. Washington State requires all of the retailers to prepackage what they sell. So this has two problems. The problem of the smell and being able to see it, that's one, and we'll come back to that. The other problem is that all of the packages are prepackaged. So they come in one gram, two gram, three and a half gram, seven gram, 14 gram, 28 gram, right? They're prepackaged. So what if you want, you know, uh, three quarters of an ounce? Well, you have to buy a 14 gram and a seven gram. 
right? You can't just buy three quarters of an ounce. What if you want to buy a half ounce, but they're all out of the 14 gram packages? Well, then you got to buy two sevens or four three and a halves. And of course, the smaller package sizes cost more, just like they do back in the black market world where an eighth costs more than an ounce does, you know, by weight. So that kind of sucks. Washington has kind of established this system that, that takes you back to the black market where you can't, you know, where, where it costs you more as you buy it smaller and it forces you to buy it smaller than what you'd like to buy. So that's a big problem with Washington. And then again, the problem that you can't smell it beforehand. It's all in these pre-sealed packages. On the other hand, let's go back to Oregon and the other states. I think they allow a little too much leniency in that when I'm smelling my face in the jar of the weed, so has everybody else's face been in that jar of weed. I don't know what's fallen out of their beard or their nose or their eyelashes or whatever. And that's the jar of weed you're going to pick weed out of and, and sell to me. So, so I think there's a middle ground here. I think the middle ground is every strain that you're selling ought to have a sample jar. And the sample jar has got enough in it, half ounce, maybe enough in it. So you can get a good look at what the, the product looks like and enough you can smell it but that sample jar is not going to get sold to anybody because i don't want to worry about your boogers or whatever fell into the weed that's the way we got to make that happen so with respect to the smell smell of the marijuana then this article is really aimed at california colorado oregon alaska places michigan i think You can also get bulk marijuana at the dispensaries, Nevada, I think, Arizona, whatever. But the places where you can get bulk marijuana. So this guy, uh, Tyson Dieter, who's writing this article, tells us that he's a home perfumer, that he's a self-taught perfumer, and he's got a world-class nose. (laughs) And he trained uh, using these workbooks from some other world-class perfumer. And of course there's such a thing, right? Of course there's people that have these super noses for testing perfume. And so he talks about in this article, what do cannabis and perfumes have in common? And he says, there's a whole lot to it. And first of all, when we talk about scent, he says that they have top notes, middle notes, and base notes. And what they refer to is the relative evaporation rates, you know, so like a, A top note is one that you smell immediately, but it evaporates soon, whereas the base note is the one that lingers. You don't catch it at first, but you you smell it as you continue to smell it. So he, he makes all these references to this, but notes how the cannabis world, we haven't evolved our language yet to explain what these things are. So he says, uh, you may see two main often contrasting odors, sweet and fruity, Paired with earthy, like an afgui. Some strains are more fragrant than others. And then, you know, there's the diesel smells and the different pining, pine type of smell and lemon type of smell that are all related to the particular terpenes in the cannabis plant. So this is something that he feels in this article, he feels like we, we need to be educating our community a little bit more. Now that we're going to have more standardized strains and more brand awareness to be able to describe accurately what we're experiencing, like people who describe perfumes. And I'm just, I'm just tickled that we're at this level, right? 
but I, I always say, you know, I'm from Idaho where we had two strains, got some and don't. And when you were smelling it, you were just smelling it to see if it was weed. <laughs> like, like, does it smell like something that could reasonably be considered to be marijuana? <laughs> okay, that's weed. Uh, now we're getting a level where we're talking like bass notes and heart notes. And, <laughs> and, and there's always an aspect, there's always a part of me that, that thinks of it like uh, the wine snobs when they talk about how earthy and fruity. And then the Mythbusters people give them, you know, two buck chuck in an expensive bottle and they make all this excuse about how great it is and it's really just two buck chuck i think there may be some level of that in the marijuana community as well right but generally speaking i think he's on to something here i think he's on to this idea that we really should develop our our scent of vocabulary to be able to better express this especially at the bud tender level this is where you know we need bud tending needs to be more than just someone who likes weed Uh, who wants to have a job selling it. I mean, this is a customer service position. And when we're talking about newbies, especially in these states that that freshly legalized, you're going to have a lot of marijuana tourists who don't know what they're getting, know know what's going on. We need well-educated bud tenders to be able to lead them through these things, to explain what these things mean. And the other part about this is how we consume marijuana. The various cannabinoids in the cannabis plant evaporate. They have different vaporization levels that are achieved at different temperatures, right? And this applies to the terpenes as well. When you're flaming a bud, when you're flaming flour, that combustion level, that heat level is high enough to burn off a lot of the lower level terpenes that that boil at a lower temperature. So smoking is like the, the, the least effective way of discovering this, this scent bouquet, this, this entourage of different effects from the terpenes and the cannabinoids. And this is where vaporization comes in with vaporization, especially the higher end, you know, spend about 250 bucks or more, these higher end vaporizers, you can dial in the temperature. And there are guides out there. You can find them on the internet. I think some of the better uh, books have them now that will show you what are the various vaporization points of the cannabinoids and the terpenes involved. And you can experiment. So you can you apply some home science to this. Take your bud, grind it up, turn your vaporizer to 295 and try some vapor off that. Compare that to what happens when you vape it at 305. You might find that you pull more of the pine terpene in. Or you may pull more of the lemon terpene in and experiment with this and find out where it works best for you. Because the, the experience from cannabis isn't just which strain you're using, but also how you're using it. And the vaporization can give you much more variety of where you're going to dial that in to fit your needs, to fit what works for you and what uh, sensations you like to feel and, and, and tastes you like to experience. This can, this can, I, I've, I've dealt with, Tokers who've been there since the day, right? They go back to Woodstock, back to the day, who've never experienced some of these things because they were always smoking. They're always joint smokers or bong smokers or pipe smokers. You get a a vaporizer in their hand, and a good one with someone who knows what they're doing and what temperatures to set it at, it can open up a whole new world of experience of cannabis that they've they've just have burned off. They've always burned it off. They've they've never gone to that area of, of cannabis experience. 
So this is, I, I recommend, I highly recommend this article. Of course, you know, I do most everything highly, <laughs> but it's on Leafly. It's called uh, Cannabis Sense and Sensibility, Why Marijuana's Fragrance is a Feast for the Nose. So if this interests you, and you can email me, if, if you can't find it, email me, I'll send you the link, because uh, this, they've got a really good uh, list here. In fact, they've got a link to the infographic, and there we go, there's a great infographic they link to that shows you the different uh, different terpenes, myrcene, Carophylline, linalool, pinene, humulene, limaline, and their boiling points. This is a great reference. They even show you some of the strains that are dominant in some of those particular uh, characteristics. It's at leafly.com. And uh, again, if you have trouble finding it, you can just email me, radicalrust at gmail.com. I'll be glad to pass this information on. Now, we got to take a break. And don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, and I should have been mentioning this more, bad host. But uh, Stoner Jesus comes to you live from Stoner Heaven to save your stony soul. That's coming up at 5 o'clock Pacific Time, 8 o'clock Eastern. Stoner Jesus here on CannabisRadio.com, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. When we come back, we'll close up shop, give you a preview of tomorrow's show, and just... uh, generally call it a day (laughs) thanks for joining us we're back in just two minutes stick around this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com tommy chong show on Cannabis Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And if standing for the Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud wacko bird. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Maui Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. 
I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry, no food till this is done. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 54 and a half after the hour. Stoner Jesus is coming up at the top of the hour live on CannabisRadio.com, so stay tuned for that. In political news, apparently the latest uh, bickering between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Bernie wants to have a debate in New York State. Now, Bernie's from Brooklyn, and Hillary represented New York uh, because, you know, she spent, like, however much time there. Anyway, uh, so she's way ahead in the polls in New York, and of course New York has a ton of these Democratic delegates that uh, Bernie wants to get, and Bernie knows the more people, the more exposure, the more chance he might have. So, of course, she does not want to have a debate. And the latest news is that um, she said she doesn't like Bernie Sanders' tone, so she doesn't want to debate because he's got the wrong tone. (laughs) It's like, okay, Uh, yeah, or maybe you just don't want to have any more debates because you keep going down in the polls. Uh, It's just frustrating as hell. But uh, we will watch it if there is such a debate. And if there's not, uh, we uh, will hope that uh, more people get the message of the one presidential candidate out there. Uh, You know what? Let me strike that. Let me strike that. Let me be fair. Gary Johnson's running for president on the Libertarian Party. Gary Johnson is as pro-marijuana legalization as Bernie Sanders is. So let's be fair we got two presidential candidates out there. And latest on that, by the way, Gary Johnson's polling in double digits against Hillary and Trump. When they do a, a, a hypothetical three-way poll, he gets like 11%. Now, the reason why this can be significant is because under the crazy-ass duopoly party rules about presidential debates, you know, the Republicans and Democrats control these things. In order to keep the third parties out of these debates, they make this arbitrary rule that you got to get 15% in X number of polls or better to be considered a reasonable candidate to dare to be up there with the Republican and the Democrat. Well, he's getting 11%. (laughs) So he gets a few more of these, get that up in the 15% range. We could actually have a libertarian, a Republican, and a Democrat up on the stage, and I would pay good money to see that. That would be so much fun. It's it's about time we had more than just you know this side and that side of the same coin up on the stage. Get somebody with some real different points of view. And you know me, I don't agree with uh, 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 Gary Johnson on all issues. Right? We got we got our disagreements, but by and large, I agree with his intent and his principle okay and to have someone with transparency and principle would be a mass improvement over either of the two major party candidates that we've had over generations now right like i may disagree with some of the things uh that uh gary johnson thinks but i know he came to those decisions through rational thought not because he was paid to think those things by some corporation or some entity that wants to get something out of them. That's what I think people are yearning for. And I think why Gary Johnson's going to take off. I think a lot of the reason people flock to Bernie Sanders is they don't agree with everything he says either, but they believe that he believes it, that it's not bought and paid for by the political system. This is the change election this year. People are into, we want to change the system. That's why the Trump people are all upset. That's why the Bernie people are upset, just from different perspectives. But they're upset about the same thing, a bought-and-paid-for system that doesn't work for the people. 
Oh, you know me. I got on my political stump again. <laughs> Thanks for listening, though. We got to call it a day. Stoner Jesus is up next. I'm Radical Russ for everyone here at CannabisRadio.com. Take care of each other, tokers. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.